politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for everything that matters in the way it matters at the time it matters. In other words, to actually get on the field and play the game here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here for the end of the week. Uh, It is Friday. My voice is getting a little better. So you'll just have to bear with me another day here. Um, You know, after a day like yesterday, all my colleagues are on cloud nine. Probably the best day of their career, right? I mean, you can't get better than this. A special counsel calling Biden too senile to stand for prosecution. Then he gets up there and uh, proves the point and acts senile bared naked in front of the eyes of the entire country. Then you have the Supreme Court almost unanimously slapping down the Colorado Supreme Court's uh, effort to remove Trump from the ballot. And they're just on cloud nine. I mean, we're going to win this. We're going to crush it. Look at the Dems. They're faltering everywhere. And this is amazing. And I'm not here to tell you that There is no good news and opportunities, just the opposite. Precisely because God is not done with us and gives us these opportunities is how pathetic it is that the fake conservative movement squanders them by thinking that the playing field is the concession stand, the cheerleaders, the music, and not the actual field and doesn't put a team on the field to reap the benefits of what God gives us. I've always said this, when things look very bleak, there's a sunrise the next day, you never know what could happen. But you have to be prepared to be on God's side, to stand for the right things, and just practically to have a movement in place to reap the benefits, to exploit that vulnerability. You know, if someone's fumbling the ball, you gotta have a team on the field to reap the benefit of that mistake that, the other team made. Lamentations 325, the Lord is good to those who wait confidently for him, to those who seek him. It is good that one waits quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And you wait for salvation by A, standing for the right things, not for standing for Bud Light and Bruce Jenner, not for standing for Kevin McCarthy and a bunch of rhinos, But standing for the right things, and if you stand for the right things and believe in the right things, you will orient your actions towards that direction. But first, you have to have a team on the field. Otherwise, the other side, no matter how clumsy and unpopular they are, they will win by acclamation. So, for example, what's the worst team in football? I mean, I don't really follow it anymore, but uh, I think it's the Carolina Panthers at this point. They won just two games. But, you know, that's better than nothing. You have the Carolina Panthers on the field, and then the other team is sitting and uh, making out with the cheerleaders and getting drunk at the beer concession stand. Well, then nothing matters. So for my colleagues, what's the news of the day? It's basically... Oh my gosh, the Supreme Court's going to save us from Trump's problems. So he's good to go. And Biden is is just the biggest fool in the world. And and this is amazing. We're going to win it. We're going to crush it. And everything's great. But in fact, 
as I've always noted, the bottom line is they are still going to convict him. They are still going to make him very unpopular throughout that trial and the conviction. The Supreme Court ruling has nothing to do with ultimately what we're facing now. It was always a straw man, the Colorado case. And Biden is himself the ultimate straw man. Because Biden himself, and I I said this when they started going after Hunter Biden, that was the first signal that they're done with them. I was like, you know, if they feel that he could make it physically for the rest of the campaign, they'll stick with him because, as the prosecutor said, he's a nice old man. And that's kind of why they brought him on in 2020, because he wouldn't become a lightning rod for them. But if he can't make it, which I guess they've made that determination, they'll take him out. They have a team on the field. You want to relieve the um, quarterback, the running, running back? They'll put in their second string. They don't have a problem. They will, they will never face an election with certain doom. They're not going to do that. Only our side does it. So the left is on our side. They're replacing their senile guy. We are not. <clears throat> right? So it's very clear when we saw that news of the special prosecutor so br- openly, without any subtlety, any ambiguity, stating that Biden didn't just say he's senile, <laughs> basically said, yeah, we'd basically prosecute him, but he's you know so senile, we're just going to leave him alone. The memo went out that it's time for a changing of the guards. Because I think our side is missing an important point about how we got here the first three years, and therefore what needs to be done going forward. Joe Biden is openly senile. It's it's unbelievable how he could be president. We all agree on that point. But what's even more unbelievable is the fact that this man was able to be the face of the most successful Democrat presidency. And obviously, when we define success, we don't mean what's good for the country, just the opposite, what's bad for the country. But that is what they try to do. Destroy our country with invasion, inflation, indoctrination, Islamicization. I mean, he's done everything. Everything amazing. And they were able to do that with nothing but a dead carcass. What does that tell you? That they have a movement. So they don't rely, they don't have fealty towards one man or memeing and tweeting. They have legal and policy and political people strategically in the right areas of all three branches of the federal government and state governments and NGOs to get the job done. So they could get it done even with the most uh, senile president ever. See, people think, oh, a senile president, he can't handle the border. Oh, no, no. They're handling it very efficiently. They know what they're doing. So likewise, when he no longer serves their purpose, they'll swap him out. They'll indict Hunter Biden. We put all of our capital into that. Rather than exploiting the Democrat vulnerabilities, For policy outcomes and results, I'm telling people, there is a huge opportunity here. We're in uncharted waters. We've never had a scenario where, see, they're going to swap him out, but he still currently is president. 
but he's naked in front of the eyes of the public as an Alzheimer's patient. We have never had a better opportunity to have a budget funding showdown March 1st. It's right now. Right now is when you build it. Is it that hard to st- for Mike Johnson and Republicans to stand before the American people and say, this man is not fit to be president. We will not fund one iota of the border invasion. You will never get a better opportunity ever to win a budget showdown fight. See, when you're president, if you had a Republican, but you don't have 60 seats in the, in the Senate, you'll have the same problem. You won't be able to pass a budget, a good one, not through the front door without brinkmanship, but you'll look like a fool with brinkmanship because in the eyes of the public, you're incompetent. You can't govern because you officially have control. Now, everyone knows Republicans don't, but they have enough to block in the House and really, they actually have enough to block Schumer in the Senate if they had normal Republicans. You will never get better issues that we have, better talking points to buttress them through the shutdown. And we're not dealing with Bill Clinton or Barack Obama. We're dealing with a dead, a dead carcass. You, you know, Mike Johnson tweeted out last night something to the effect of Biden's uh, press conference underscored the point that you know, he's not fit to be president and and basically proved everything that was in the special counsel's report. And I made the point last night. I said, the left is on Mike Johnson. And still, you're right, he's senile. And still, he's eating your lunch. He's eating your lunch on every budget bill, on the debt ceiling, on every policy. What does that say about you? Their most senile, senile guy could defeat all of you. Because it's not really him, it's whoever is pulling his strings. They have a well-oiled machine and system. We don't. So the laugh is on us. The opportunities are huge. Democrats are potentially in a very precarious situation if we actually swapped out our own senile guy and had an effective guy, you know, like the guy we had to offer for president. And then we fought on the budget. We fought in the red states on on illegal immigration. I mean, the amount of unpopular positions that they have exposed themselves on. Obviously, the you know where where is the effort? By the way, by the way, to this day, Donald Trump himself is not calling on Republicans to defund Jack Smith's office on March first. And I would have told you that that would have been pretty unpopular. But now they have a huge opportunity to go before the American people and say, we, we have a two-tier justice system. Literally, Biden took the same documents, classified documents, and they said they're not prosecuting him because he's so senile, which is an indictment of the entire presidency. They could easily, easily defund that. Why am I the only one calling for that? Because we're always focused on false choices, straw men, distractions, mooning, misfocusing on fake enemies, on fake Overton windows. The Lankford bill, Mitch McConnell, Joe Biden himself, they're all fake Overton windows that are straw men to defeat. But the main things that actually are resulting in perpetuating the Democrat policies 
are continuing unabated and we're not checking them even though we can. So the opportunities from yesterday are boundless if we take them and make changes. But if we just stay where we are, not fight on the budget, not change the guy at the top of our ticket, not focus on the primaries, not focus on the red states, and not have any understanding of how you're going to navigate when the Democrats swap out for a fresh voice and you're saddled with all this legal stuff, it will not change on its own. There's a lot we can do, but if we're just going to say, ha, 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 Democrats are defeated, Twitter is not the playing field. Okay? That's the reality. So this is the... This is the perspective you will not get elsewhere, and that's why I need you to send this show to every one of your friends and relatives, coworkers, neighbors. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes, and also support our sponsors. And today we're sponsored by really one of my favorite, QP Goat Soap. I always look forward to shower time with QP Goat Soap. It is the silkiest, smoothest, best-smelling, and healthiest uh, soap out there on the market made from pure goat milk with coconut and palm oils. Ironically, you know, you might think goat soap, what's that? This is actually the only thing that can be called real soap. The crap you get in the, you know, in the supermarket from Dove and Zest can't even be called soap. But now you don't have to look forward to a shower. You could wear the amazing scents, and there's a lot of them. They have female scents, uh, male scents on your clothing all day because now they have fresh detergent laundry soap. Uh, we'll leave your clothes with that same smell all day. Why use harsh detergents on your clothes and your body? Pro-inflammatory, by the way. I, I always get rashes from a lot of this stuff. Uh, it only takes about a tablespoon per load of laundry. So with a 25-ounce bag, you can do about 90 loads. So if you head over to qpgoatsoap.com today, and pick out your goat soap as well as your laundry soap, you could easily get the free shipping for 50 bucks and use promo code Daniel for 10% off. Uh, Quinn Pittman, he, he's our, our entrepreneur here. 16-year-old, homeschool kid, classic education during the day, and then you know on the side, he runs this business, uh, outdoorsman. I mean, this is the type of kid we should all have. Literally the antidote to the Gen Z zombie generation. And uh, he actually just got a new a new goat because of your um, generosity to patronizing my sponsors. Uh, they're doing really well as they should be. And now he has a new goat. So help him get another goat at qpgoatsoap.com, promo code Daniel today. So folks, let's talk about the Colorado case. The notion that even before Trump is convicted, that the Supreme Court was ever going to let them take him off the ballot was a straw man. So it was like, ha, 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 Biden got crushed. This might even be a 9 nothing opinion. Yeah, it might be. But at the end of the day, that was never the threat. Let, let, let me explain something to you that my colleagues don't seem to understand. When you have a trend line, a trajectory, it could be a political trend line, it could be a weather, you know, with temperatures going up, it could be the stock market. Any trend line, it's not linear. It goes up down up down up down, but you know, on a, a on a positive incline. 
you could use the analogy with an invading force too. Sometimes with a successful invasion, you'll you'll get to a a point deep into your enemy territory that's really unsustainable for that moment and you'll draw back. But broadly speaking, you're taking territory. So the left will come out with their most radical proposals and then, you know, knowing it's a trial balloon, but it's an Overton window shifting, shifter. So it allows our sides to obsess about the most extreme manifestation of what they're doing at the given moment that we don't even need, they don't even need to win at that moment. They'll eventually get there one day. But all the while, they gain 10 tranches while you're sitting and focusing on levels 11 and 12. Oh, we, we, we beat 11 and 12. The bigger point is that they are indicting him, they are putting him on trial, and they will convict him. And they will make him very unpopular. Now, A, they could take him off the ballot at that point. Nothing from what I saw, nothing of what the justices said would foreclose them from taking him off the ballot once he is actually convicted. But I don't even think that's necessarily the play. The play is not to take him off the ballot. Because in this country, we always need a false choice. In fact, Democrats need a Republican loser on a ballot. Because then it looks unfair. You can't, like, you can't have a, uh, an election by acclamation. Their goal is to just make him extremely, extremely unpopular. Now, the only thing that could possibly make him still win is to have a guy that's bared nude in front of the public that he is senile. Hence, they're going to swap him out. So my colleagues are looking at, at this in a static analysis, not a dynamic analysis. They're saying, well, you know, uh, Biden's really, I mean, he's senile, he can't win. And, and look, the Supreme Court's protecting us. No, they're not. That's a straw man. It's the same thing with Mitch McConnell. They're like, oh, Mitch McConnell, we're going to get rid of him. Yeah, when I tried to do it 10 to 15 years ago, no one was with me. When it would have mattered. We could have saved our republic. We could have repealed Obamacare. We could have saved healthcare. Now he's a straw man. He has been for a while. What matters is Trump and Johnson and McCarthy. McCarthy, by the way, is still lurking around. He was at Trump's Las Vegas rally and Trump gave him a shout out. It, it's funny. I'm watching my colleagues say like, oh, the Republican Party is stupid. The Republicans are undermining Trump. What are you talking about? The Republican Party is Trump. Trump controls the party more than McConnell ever did, more than Bush ever did, more than Reagan ever did, more than McCain ever did. He is the party. Take ownership of it. Stop projecting on him Steve Bannon. Donald Trump is not Steve Bannon and some of those other people around, you know, creating the MAGA movement. He, he is his own thing. So, A, if we don't defund the prosecutions and honestly get a better nominee, he will be convicted and he will lose and they will swap out Biden for someone cleaner. In fact, if I were them, I think a brilliant pick. I mean, they're as radical as anyone, but th they're successfully winning is Whitmer and Shapiro. The Michigan and Pennsylvania governors that crushed it in states that Republicans need to win won back the legislature. You know, I'd pick them because Gavin Newsom is kind of a caricature. California is too radical. That's what I would do if I were them. So I'd be surprised if they don't do it.
you try winning against them with, with someone like Trump. And then, moreover, that's the first half. But even if you win, what are you winning? Bud Light? You look at the people around him. You know, here's the funny thing. While we focus on the Lankford bill, which was a straw man, it's the current invasion that matters that Republicans are not checking with a budget fight and with the Republican states banning illegal immigration. But on the actual playing field, McConnell is a straw man. Biden and Hunter Biden are straw men. You're beating a dead horse. You need to beat a, li- a live horse. And, and the Colorado Supreme Court case was a straw man relative to what Trump is facing. On the real playing field, Democrats won a cloture vote with 17 Republicans to push $95 billion in aid, mainly to Ukraine, but also Hamas and then a little to Taiwan and Israel. Did you know I went down the list? 13 of the 17 Republicans had have been endorsed by Trump at some point over the last three cycles in a primary. In the primary. Okay? Um, where is this here? I'm trying to get the names. He's endorsed McConnell, Cassidy, Wicker, Young. No, not Young. Wicker, Capito, Kennedy, Sullivan, Romney, Ernst, Rounds, Tillis, Cornyn, Grassley, and Moran. All deep red state rhinos. And by the way, there were more where they came from, but it was a hope yes, vote no. They know the the public is so upset over the Langford bill. So this is the, they just severed off the border part and just did the foreign aid part. So they know they're so upset. And by the way, all but one Republican who who, who are currently in cycle, they're up for renomination, voted no. This is the game they play so deviously. They they always rotate it. The reason why Democrats always have a super majority is because what they do is they rotate the Republicans in cycle and then along with the ones that are there's always ones retiring, like Mitt Romney is retiring, you know, so they have them vote for it and then the other ones strategically vote no. So they did that here. I give actually Roger Wicker is the only one who did. I guess he doesn't fear Dan Eubanks. And why should he? Trump already endorsed him. So so I look, there's only four Republicans out of those who Trump did not endorse. Collins, Thune, Young, and Murkowski. And those are because, not because of the policies, because, you know, there's nothing different about the ones like Roger Wicker is certainly no more conservative than Young and Thune. But it's a matter of who said nice things about him and who didn't. It's that pathetic. We don't have time for this. You see what I mean? A, we're not winning. There's no evidence. And you're going to see this next week with that special election in, in Long Island for that congressional seat that's going to flip to the Dems. Okay? I mean, unless somehow the Biden stuff is a shock to the system, which it might very well be, but they're going to rectify that. They're going to, t- they're going to swap him out. Whereas, so then we're going to be saddled with our guy. They're not going to be saddled with theirs because they're not stupid because they have their eye on the ball. Cultural Marxism, demographic transformation, War on whites. Socialism. 
Islamicization, right? They want their outcomes. They're so smart. They're willing to, to mix up the means. They don't care. It's the ends that matter. We make the means the end. The talking points, the Twitter, the individual personalities, that is our end. It's pathetic. It's utterly pathetic. And that's just the way it is. But that's what they do. We always focus on defeating a straw man. But the main issues of our time... So, like, McConnell's a spent force. They'll get John Barrasso or something like that who who tries to pretend to be more in sync with where the current base is, but it's this it's the equivalent of what McConnell was in 2008. It's the same thing. It's always a sleight of hand. It's not going to change. It's not like you're going to it's not like you're going to get Ted Cruz as Republican leader there or Ron Johnson or whatever. But that's the thing. They fight for their cause. A lot of people are talking about the Hawaii Supreme Court yesterday. You know, where they basically said that the Bruin decision is garbage. And what did they say? The spirit of Aloha clashes with a federally mandated lifestyle that lets citizens walk around with deadly weapons during day-to-day activities. The history of the Hawaiian Islands does not include a society where armed people move about the community to possibly combat the deadly aims of others. That's what a blue state is. They do what they do. Yet we have red states where our state courts are even worse than the feds. Because Republicans to this day, in places like South Carolina and Oklahoma, refuse to push judicial reform, and you have leftists and the Bar Association, like in Oklahoma, the Bar runs the judiciary. So not only are they owned by the federal courts, and they won't stand up to the federal courts when they do unconstitutional opinions, but their own state courts are just as bad as blue states. We're not winning this. We're not winning this right now. Right now, there is no evidence they will win the election with a dynamic analysis. Yeah, right now, if they kept Biden the way he is, but if they're willing to put this out there in a special prosecutor's, um, special counsel's report nine months ahead of time, they're done with him. They are done. They're not stupid. The laugh is on us. We continue to focus on a man that's going to have a hard time getting elected with the prosecutions but also a man that has elevated every single swamp creature. It's the same party, just with Trump's baggage. That's the joke. The Senate GOP continues to kill us. And it's so bizarre. We are three weeks away from the funding deadline, and there's no effort for anyone to say, wait a minute, Democrats are in... a trap on the double standard on the prosecution over a classified documents. They have, they're in a total trap with the border. 90-10 issue. We could crush them on that in a, in a funding fight. Right now, they won't do it. Because they don't view that as an opportunity. Trump himself is not calling for it. 
in their own hubris, they think the Supreme Court's going to save them. This was an easy one. And in fact, this is like the Dobbs equivalent for the Supreme Court. This was an easy out. They wanted to show that they're slapping down some of the stuff. So they picked the straw men. The straw men wasn't, you know, the, the issue wasn't that they're going to take him off the ballot before a conviction. The issue is they're going to actually convict him. And whether that triggers taking him off the ballot or more likely just making him unelectable, that's the issue. And nobody has an answer. Nobody has an answer for that. Well, Daniel, Biden can't win. Well, what if they swap him out? Don't you think that yesterday was a pretty strong indication they're going to do that? The laugh is on them. Democrats, A, succeed with their most senile guy more than we do with our most lucid guy. And B, they don't face re-election with certain doom. They're not going to do that. They're not stupid. They seek to win, whether it's electorally, whether it's policy-wise, whether it's legally. We just get mooned and distracted and the straw men and the fake Overton window shifting. But they're winning on the issues. But again, it doesn't have to be this way. People who are giddy about yesterday are correct. Right now, before they get a new face, because it is complicated. See, they could swap him out for the ballot for re-elect, but at the end of the day, they are still stuck with him for another nine months. <clears throat> and and <clears throat> there would be one thing if they had a popular lucid VP, but in some ways, Kamala Harris is even more um, senile than Biden. I mean, if she were forced to be president and go before the people, I don't think she could even give one speech. So electorally, Democrats have a huge backup plan. But governing-wise, for the next, for the remainder of this term, they have the most unpopular policies with senile fools. And yet Republicans can't prosecute a government shutdown fight over that. That's the bigger point here. Imagine if we would have DeSantis as the nominee and then have a budget showdown fight over the two-tier justice system and the invasion. But again, Democrats believe we don't. Give Biden credit. I, remember, I don't know if you guys saw, Biden walked away as if he was done and then he walked back to the podium pissed off and started going on a rant about Israel. And I'm thinking, man, even in his most senile moment, name me one thing Biden said that negated his stated values. No, he went all in. Pro Hamas. Can you imagine if Republicans had a funding fight? See, Republicans are creating this false dichotomy of being pro-Israel is you know giving them more money when we ourselves are bankrupt. Actually, you don't need to fund more, just defund. Defund the UN with all the new evidence that UN is Hamas. Defund Gaza, defund the Palestinians, defund the Iran deal, defund the two-state solution, diplomatic missions. That's a supermajority issue. Along with defunding the New Deal, the Green New Deal, defunding the prosecutions, the FACE Act. And obviously the invasion. 
I don't understand how you can't. They're like into all these talking points. All my colleagues have these clever talking points about, oh, Biden and the two-tier justice system. And they're right. But why don't we harness a strategic leverage point that could result in outcomes and use those talking points, use a means to an end. But again, they're always focused on, to them, the playing field is the cheerleaders, the concession stands, everything else going on in that stadium, but the actual field. Remember, Democrats are the only ones who have a team on the field. And this leads me to my next guest. I want to talk about stuff going on in the States. Because I've been struggling all week to get friends to introduce medical freedom bills. They're like, yeah, it's not going to go anywhere. Won't even get a committee hearing. They don't want to hear a word about vaccines. States like South Dakota. Yeah, with Christy Nome there. With Christy Nome there, we cannot get a hearing on important bills. You see what I mean? The left is winning vicariously through the Republican Party in red states because we're fools that we elevated Trump as the Lord Savior and he in turn elevated every rhino that without Trump as the loincloth for them we could have defeated and now they're able to play this double game. So Christy Nome is all over. She's every night she's on cable news. Ha ha, Christy Nome's take on the Biden senile speech. Meanwhile, Biden and the people pulling the strings are accomplishing everything for, for, for what they want in a deep red state. And in her state, she does nothing and quietly has her people oppose our property rights bills, our medical freedom bills, anything on illegal immigration. We're, we're, we're missing the plot. A, there's no evidence we're going to win the election with this. And in fact, it's, it's a clear indication that the Democrats are going to strengthen their position with a better nominee. And B, even if we do, what are we winning? Oh, Daniel, when, my, when the government... Back, dude, they have... Every statewide office holder in South Dakota is a Republican. And there's like three Democrats in the legislature. But the Republicans are to the left of Nikki Haley. Much, much more liberal. And Christy Nome quietly strengthens them, and we get nothing done. Even in Florida, we're struggling. Um, you know, the the legislative leadership is awful there. They're slow walking so many good bills, and they're going back on a lot of good bills. They're terrified of the Confederate Monument Bill now, and walking. You know, the Senate pro temp there. I forgot that woman from the West Coast there, big rhino. I mean, even there, even after everything DeSantis has done, DeSantis basically basically destroyed the Democrat Party, and Republicans are terrified of the Democrats that don't exist. They get run over by a parked car. So you can imagine every other state, it just goes downhill. We don't have a team on the field, but I want to get to some good news. So folks, speaking of getting on the actual playing field, probably the only team we really have on the field, and when I say field, I don't mean the cheerleaders, I don't mean the music stand, the concession stand, I mean where the policy outcomes are actually made and lead into results, that's the Freedom Caucus, the State Freedom Caucus Network movement. 
I actually wish we had this, you know, as robustly on national politics to get things done. And this is going to be our our continued focus for a number of months. There's a lot of things that we're talking about that are really out of our power. Democrats will appoint whoever they want as their nominee. They're going to, you know, we don't have influence over that. Uh, the courts are going to do what they do with the Trump conviction. Okay, we, we, we don't have a way of stopping that in a blue city like Washington, D.C. What we can do is influence our people or those who claim to be our people, Republicans, in areas where they can be influenced and using levers of power that they do have. So obviously, we talk at a federal level, it's going to be the budget fight, defunding Jack Smith's office, defunding the border invasion, defunding the Green New Deal, defunding the UN and, and Hamas and things like that, which Republicans should be doing March 1st that no one seems to be talking about. But then there's all these states that Republicans have so much control that if only the people would know what their Republican members are actually doing, and we could allure the pressure of the people upon these members, well, either they would do our bidding or we would, in one cycle, be able to get them out and get in better guys. The only team on the field we have doing that is the State Freedom Caucus Network. And there is some good news of some good plays being made on that field that's leading to some good field position that could potentially put some points on the board in a couple of these deep red states. And to discuss this and more is Greg Price, a new guest, friend of mine. He's communications director for the State Freedom Caucus Network. You could follow him at Greg underscore Price 11. And of course, make sure to check out the website at statefreedomcaucus.org. Hey, Greg, welcome to Blaze Media for the first time. Really excited to have you. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Great to be with you today. All right. So we communicate a lot on, on different issues People are certainly very much focused on what's going on in Washington, but there are a couple of victories that you guys achieved at a state level that I, I believe could serve as a blueprint going forward for how we operate within the Republican Party. Could you talk about what happened with the Idaho budget fight this week um, in on the House floor? Yeah, you know, the biggest criticism that people levy at the Freedom Caucus is that you know, we're, it's all chaos. They don't want to get things done. They just, you know, they want to blow everything up. Well, you look at what just happened in Idaho this week. It was really a masterclass in legislating and in political maneuvering and getting one step ahead of the opposition. And what essentially happened is the Idaho legislature passed a massive reform package to their state budget that would provide a transparency and accountability for wasteful spending. And it exposed up to one. It would expose up to 1.3 billion in wasteful spending that comes out of the Idaho budget every single year. Something you need to know about Idaho is, you know, in a lot of these red states, the reason you get so many rhinos is because they're simply Democrats running with an R next to their name. But another big reason why is because many of them are simply bought off by special interest groups, and that is the case in Idaho more than really any other state we work with. You know. I, I, I'm sure you talked about this when it happened at the time, but a bunch of our members in Idaho got removed from their committee chairmanships due to the fact that they criticized special interest power and its influence in the Idaho legislature. I mean, the, the Chamber of Commerce, it's the, an offshoot, literally has a PAC that corporations fund 
that they then use to support candidates. That's how bad it is. And that's reflected in the budget every year. But they were able to, uh, you know, pass these reforms that provide transparency. And it was hilarious because, you know, they used the budget reform committee to get this done. And the rhinos in the legislature were caught off guard by it. And they weren't expecting this to happen. They thought it would just be business as usual. And so they, you know, it was a panic. They had to get the governor, Brad Little, to publicly oppose transparency in the budget. You know, they had to really, uh, it, it was real chaos all week for them. And it, but it ended up leading to uh, the budget reform passing on Wednesday, 38-31 vote. Keep in mind that the Idaho House is four, has 59 Republicans and only 11 Democrats. <laughs> Yet it was split 38-31, again, voting for transparency in the budget. And then in the aftermath of that, it also passed the Senate, too. Every Republican in the Senate voted for it. But in the aftermath of passing this in the House, the, House, the rhinos were in such shambles that the House majority leader got ousted from her position, went down in flames. And so not only did they get this done, but their establishment opposition is completely divided and they're now demoralized. Um, and it's it was it's you know our our state director in Idaho, Maria Nate, said that this was the one of the most the most important things to happen in the Idaho legislature in the last 25 years. I've I've been doing this job for a year and a half now. That's been my time following Idaho, but I think I would agree with her. You know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned because, and and I think this reflects well on your organization. And I see a lot of contrast with the Federal Freedom Caucus in Congress that you need to be unified. Stop with the personalities. Each one's trying to shout down the other one and each one's suspicious of the other one. Unfortunately, we have that in Congress, even among, you know, mutual friends of ours. But when they when they are able to unify behind certain outcomes and objectives, you wind up dividing the other side because then they're in chaos. Because on the one hand, they want to represent their special interests. On the other hand, they're scared. Holy heck, you know, the voters are going to toss us out in primaries now. And we, you know, this is how you get success. Can you talk a little bit about what this transparency means in the real world of, you know, how we stop this problem of red states continuing to fund their own demise, the healthcare cartel, the education cartel that doesn't share our values, even in red states, and how it could be replicated across the country. Well, that's exactly what our organization is doing. And, you know, the thing that is a lot different, I've worked in federal politics and I've worked in state politics now, and you're exactly right about the whole clash of personalities because because Congress is constantly in the national spotlight, because, you know, the cameras are constantly on you, you do have that clash of personalities, but you don't have that in the states because states simply don't get the same amount of the of attention that Congress does. And it really leads, you know, to more cohesion among our freedom caucuses in a way that you don't see in Congress. Um, and so, you're exactly right about transparency. You know, as I said, a big reason that red states fund their own demise is because people simply don't realize what's happening in their own backyard. And another big reason why is um, you've had Andy Roth, the president of our organization, before on before. He says this all the time. The establishment operates in the dark in these states, and they're full time, whereas many of the whereas the lawmakers are working part time. These are part time legislatures legislators most of the time, but the governor, the executive branch, the lobbyists, you know, the, the corporate interests, these are people working year round 
in order to, you know, as you said, to ensure red states fund their own demise. And so what we're doing with the state freedom caucuses is we're tur- the, the biggest thing we're doing is turning legislators that are part time into full time conservative fighters against this, against, you know, the swamps in their states. And it's been really effective, you know. We, even even when legislatures aren't in session, our freedom caucuses still get results. Um, you know, a big example I could think of is when they were at a session in South Carolina last year, they shut down a transgender clinic at a hospital. And, it, it, you know, it's things like that where you're not, you know, because all these people have full time jobs in addition to working in to being elected members of their legislators. But working full time ensures that people are more aware of what is happening in South Carolina or in Louisiana or in Idaho where it, where they otherwise wouldn't. Yep. I think yep. it's really important for people to understand this because, you know, Congress gets all the attention, but the reality is the best way we're going to save our nation is building robust red states. And this is the way we're doing it by creating freedom caucuses. No. And, and I love that full-time purview because I mean, you have 365 days a year in every state except for Florida, for example, all 49, the health departments suck. They just do. They're really, really bad. And they have an endless pot of money, federal COVID funding, that they use for all sorts of nefarious things uh, to promote this kind of one health kind of socialist mindset of, uh, you know, making us all just, you know, the mass vaccination agenda and uh, the WHO agenda. And it's really it's in all the red states. And this is something that they need in terms of oversight. And I think you guys are giving a sense of association, cohesion, even resources. So you don't have each part time man making a very part time salary for himself, feeling outgunned out men. I mean, you know, you you don't you didn't even know I was going to put on a commercial for you. But I could tell you, I've had a lot of frustration this week in any state where we didn't have a freedom caucus. It's it's the same song in a dance. So I asked them to introduce. I've been passing around a lot of sample bills on medical freedom. And and it's just like, well, we can't even get a hearing. It's never going to get a vote. The committee sucks. But I'm like, okay, but you gotta you gotta force a vote. You gotta if people don't know that they're blocking it, which you know, if you don't do anything, they're not going to know. Then we can't rectify it. What is your best advice for these members of you know when you have a righteous bill, for example, you know a categorical no mandates bill, like you know no vaccine mask mandates type of bill, public and private, um. But, you know, the these guys, they're, they're in the back pocket of the university system of Sanford Health in the Dakotas, for example. Uh, how do you get them to how do they how do you pick a fight on that? Like, are you talking of somebody individually or the freedom individual or, or if you have a bunch of members and others? How do you fo- expose that? You know, the, the chairman doesn't want to doesn't want to hold a hearing, hold a vote on your bill. Your bill's never going to go anywhere. How do you how do you make a big deal of it? Well, it's it goes back to the number one thing that we tell all of our Freedom Caucus members to do, which is be loud. Be loud about everything that you do, because, you know, these, these people may be bought off by whatever lobbyist or special interest is funding them. And they may, you know, have they're doing what you say with the covid funds. But pressure from the grassroots is real. It's something that has major effect over all of these legislatures. And so if you can be loud and exert pressure, enough pressure over 
you know, the people in charge. It's hard to not buckle in those instances. And we've seen this so many times, you know, in our legislatures where being loud has led to has led to getting things done. You know, it's crazy. And a lot of the, you know, our members tell us that, you know, they go out to like the grocery store or something and run into somebody who says, oh, I love the Freedom Caucus. I love everything you guys are doing. When the grassroots are on your side, you have a lot of power. And that is, I think, something that's something every one of our Freedom Caucuses have, has mastered. Take a look at what's happened in Missouri over the last couple of weeks. I'm sure you've been covering it where we were trying to get uh, IP reform passed, um, but Caleb Rowden, the speaker pro tem, was blocking it. And they removed a bunch of our members. And keep in mind, we just launched a little over a month ago. They're already getting removed from committee chairmanships. And what happened, like 500 people came to the Capitol for a rally that the Freedom Caucus was doing. The grassroots were on our side. And when that happens, that's a much more powerful thing than being in leadership. No, it really is. It really is because it's Newton's laws of political motion. Okay. So, you know, you got to have equal and opposing force. Otherwise, it's going to go in that direction. And all the force is coming from the Chamber of Commerce, special interests. And if we just ignore it um, and don't exert our influence, I mean, you know, like I've been trying to bang away in South Dakota this week with some of these medical freedom bills with Christy Nome. I mean, Christy Nome will make sure that the session is perfectly orchestrated where there's nothing that's particularly that bad, although there are some bad bills there, but there's nothing good on immigration, nothing good on medical freedom, nothing good on, on private property rights. But, you know, she, she's got to be forced to take a stand. Um, my colleagues opt to ignore that because they like, you know, influencing what they can influence and not influencing what they can, where they have access and influence. They don't use it. But, you know, if 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 not them, at least you get the local grassroots organizations. And I think nowhere has this worked better than in South Carolina. I mean, talk about loud. Um, I think that's really the model going forward for a broken Republican Party that's, in my view, irremediably broken. That you almost have to treat them as kind of you know, because Greg, let, let let's be honest here. They use us for votes, so I have no problem using them for ballot access. Well, you, well, you know, I mean, that's what we'll do right back to them. But we're essentially a different party because we are. I mean, they're a lot closer to the to the D's than to us. Um, so in South Carolina, that's what you guys have been doing. I mean, you just totally go to war with them. So going to war has resulted in a um a victory on a on constitutional carry. Can you talk about that in South Carolina? Yeah, well, just for some background for you know people in the audience who may not know. South Carolina, despite being a deep red state, we did an analysis of the voting records of the Republicans in the legislature, and only Hawaii Republicans had more liberal voting <laughs> records than Republicans in South Carolina. You know, not Republicans in California, in South Carolina. And so it, it was really the perfect storm for a successful Freedom Caucus, and they've been one of our most successful ones. And we saw that this week. Yeah, and yeah, they... Uh, Last So constitutional carry, they're trying to pass it in South Carolina, but their Senate sent the bill to the House with increases in criminal penalties for citizens without a concealed carry permit, but it completely exempted legislatures from it as legislators from it. So it was completely ridiculous. But what made it even more ridiculous was 
when, you know, when the South Carolina Freedom Caucus started being, you know, they, they were loud about it. They were together and they said, hey, we're not going to support these increased penalties simply for not having a concealed permit. What did they do? They they sent the NRA to try and convince them to vote for it. And so not only were they fighting against their leadership, they were fighting against the most powerful gun rights. Well, wait, wait, Greg, can, can, you, can you discuss that? They're pushing constitutional carry, but that 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 means that you could carry without a permit. So what does it mean that they're increasing penalties if you didn't have a permit? Uh, it, it was a C, it was a CWP, a concealed handgun type. Thing. Like again, they watered it down, and basically they were trying to pass constitutional carry without saying that they actually did. There, it was a completely watered down bill that contained, as I said, all criminal increased penalties. It was really bad. But and like I said, what made it even worse was the fact that the NRA were sending their lobbyists to try to convince of our course. members to support it, which was ridiculous. And so, again, like the NRA, this is a very powerful gun rights organization, and they didn't give up. They kept saying, no, we're not going to support this in its current form. And eventually, House leadership caved, and they said that they would amend the, they said that they would amend the bill to strip all of these stupid amendments out of it that basically didn't make it a constitutional carry bill anymore. In other words, Craig, what, what you're pointing out here is that we have the keys in our hands if we only used it. The dirty little secret is they don't have a constituency. So you'd think they would crush us like a bug because they have all the money and we don't have it. But the problem is they don't have the voters because the voters agree with us. The only voters that agree with them are the Democrats. But the Democrats are a minority in these type of states. So they're kind of minister without portfolio if we only exposed them and and created real inflection points. It's it's shocking how we've allowed these states to languish like this for years. And 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 uh the this organization is really the only one doing this. So yep. you yeah, know well, that like is I said, the, Yeah, that's a well, huge like victory. Said, the, the 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 biggest thing that we do is, you know, we we take you know, we, we expose an establishment and a swamp in all of these places that operates behind the scenes in the dark most of the time, or not most of the time, they were doing this all the time until the Freedom Caucus came along. You know, to, again, expose the wasteful spending in Idaho, $1.3 billion of crony surplus spending, exposing the fact that, hey, your Republican legislature wants to say that they passed constitutional carry while not actually doing it at all. You know, when, again, be loud is the biggest thing we tell people. And when the voters hear, you, you know, I'm sure the average voter isn't paying, probably isn't paying attention to, you know, the South Carolina legislature on, on any given basis. But when they hear about this stuff that's happening, you know, that's how we win the grassroots simply by exposing yep. what these people are doing. And, and precisely because you don't have the saturation that you have at the federal level, if we do get on that playing field, we, we could overwhelm it pretty easily um, because they're not used to that degree of intensity of phone calls into their offices, you know, for a certain bill, against a certain bill. It has not been part of our culture um, in the past. So it's just that the special interests win by acclamation because they're the only team on the field. And that, that's the lesson of today. Get on the field. And uh, there are a lot of fields that we could win that the field is tilted towards us if we only utilized our advantage. Um, one more thing, Greg, um, just wondering, you know, 
you're ultimately taking down a lot of bad things and and steering some good things, but it's very hard without a governor. Okay, I mean, in all these states, you have the governors working in the background with the bad leadership in the legislature. Often, they're really the eight hundred pound gorilla behind the scenes. I mean, you take someone like Brad Little, you mentioned in in, in Idaho, um, just just horrible, uh, total. I mean. I, I tell everyone, everyone's making fun out of Nikki Haley. Ha, 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 we defeat her. No one wants her. You know, 90% don't want her. And and I'm like, the, the left is on us if we don't get on the playing field because if you go down ballot, um, you know, most Republicans are way to the left of Nikki Haley. I mean, uh, way to the left of her. And, you know, South Carolina as well. I mean, Henry McMaster is not exactly a, a bright bulb. I mean, I know Donald Trump seems to love him because he says nice things about him, but... The reality is that uh, you know, anytime we tried to do a bill like on on Chinese land ownership and anything that went amok the Chamber of Commerce business interests, you know, these guys, it's not that they're waving rainbow flags in their homes, but they're just they're they're kind of the corporate guys. I mean, so they're not going to buck what the corporations want. So here's my question: Do you feel that you're ultimately building a bench that could eventually run for governor? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a huge part of uh, our organization's mission, not just, you know, doing the things that we do in the legislature, but, you know, being, you know, you know, we're the Hershey Bears to the Freedom Caucus is Washington Capitals. If, if you get the metaphor, that's the Caps AHL team. <laughs> and yeah, we're building a bench of people to run for Congress and join the Freedom Caucus. Build, and yeah, building a bench of people to run for governor. Um, one of our members in Missouri, Bill Igel, is a can is right now running for governor. Yep. Two of our members in South Carolina, our chairman Adam Morgan and Stuart Jones, are our first two members to, are, that are running for Congress. And because our we're it's a fairly new organization, this is only uh, the third year it's existed. And so yeah, building a back, you know, building the bench for you know the next generation of conservatives running for office is a huge part of what we're doing, especially when it comes to electing more Freedom Caucus members in Congress, but also better governors, better attorney generals, you know, up and down the ballot. We want this to be, you know, the we want this to be the minors, maybe not the the minor league team to eventually get up to yep. Congress or the governor. Because that's our problem. I mean, what, what, what we have right now is in North Dakota, I'm struggling. We have an open seat there for governor and, and we can't find a conservative. I mean, it just literally doesn't exist. It's it's one leftist and another. I mean, one uh, what are the, what are the, they call that the Tuesday group? That's kind of like the Rhino Freedom Caucus. So the congressman from there is running, and they often win because we don't have men on the field. But you're right; it's important. AG as well. We got Dan Bishop, who's a federal Freedom Caucus guy. Uh, you know, he's hopefully going to win. Looks like he will win. I mean, uh, by acclamation there. Actually, he's winning. Uh, uh, for attorney general in at least the nomination in North, North Carolina, we need to build these positions. And uh, look, I endorse very few organizations in, in this era of grift, but statefreedomcaucus.org, um, this is, in my view, the only truly independent conservative platform that's getting stuff done, irrespective of the morass that we're kind of in at the federal level. So I encourage you guys to go there and donate. And also, uh, Greg's a great follow on tw on Twitter, just in general, at Greg underscore Price 11. Hey, Greg, I'm sure we're going to be speaking a lot. Uh, we're going to have a lot of battles before this session's over. 
So thanks so much for briefing us today and looking forward to you coming back. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate the kind words about the State Freedom Caucus Network. We'll keep fighting every day. God bless. Take care. So that was Greg Price of the Freedom Caucus Network. Um, I will say it is hard to impress me. It really is hard, but I am impressed with that organization. I really do believe they're building a bench. They're they're doing everything that need, needed to be done. And I think especially in South Carolina, the closest thing towards a do-or-die moment where we could ultimately start a new party because that's really where it is. The Republican Party is the problem. And I think this is what we're missing, that even if you would officially get on the playing field, what we don't understand is that you'd have two teams of the same side. And, and, And that's ultimately the problem here. Ultimately, what my colleagues focus on is the wrong issues. They get distracted. And even when the issues matter, they don't focus on them and direct them in the way they matter that they can influence it. Again, The Democrats are going to do what they do with the prosecutions. They're going to do what they do with their nominee. We can't influence that. What we can influence is what we exert our pressure on people we claim we have access to. Why isn't Trump and his movement making the right endorsements? Why aren't they focusing on the budget fight and demanding that his own prosecution be defunded? As well as many other popular issues. You'll never get a better time. And then again, these red states, you could own them overnight if this entire grift industry turned into something of value, but it will not. So we're going to have to do it on our own. We have very few allies, but but they're one of them. I do apologize. I will be out Monday for a long weekend. I will be traveling, but I want to give you guys some homework we got in South Dakota, HB 1221. It's a full public and private sector ban on... Uh, vaccine mandates. It will have a hearing in Commerce and Energy in the House on Thursday. Um, Also, again, New Hampshire HB 1661, forcing the State Department of Health to publish the information of all deaths every quarter by immunization date, how relative to when they got immunized. Um, That is something you should try to get introduced in every one of your states if you can. Um, That certainly would be worthwhile. Also, again, Tennessee, we have SB, where is this? SB 2775, if you want to look it up, uh, what I believe is the best sovereignty bill, nullification bill, something we want to introduce in every state. I know a lot of them are past their stupid funnel deadlines, but you know some aren't, so you, you could check that out. Um, but, but look, I, this is one of the few organizations that I feel is overperforming expectations and that's what I'm going to do. I can't influence the Supreme Court deliberations. They're going to do what they do. The Democrats are going to do what they do with their presidential nominee. What are we going to do with the opportunities God gives us? Folks, hope you guys have a terrific weekend. Again, give us a five-star rating. Support our advertisers. Until Tuesday, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.